This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Yes, welcome to another installment of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for joining me as the pitter-patter of rain hits the roof above my head and on the banana leaves just outside my window here. Very relaxing, but I think we've got another three days of torrential downpours to deal with in certainly in southeast Queensland. I think it's all over Queensland at the moment though. But I hope you're well, wherever you are in the world, because I have two extraordinary musicians, a conversation at least with two extraordinary musicians to share with you. These two fellas are from a Melbourne-based group called The Omnific, and you'll be hearing from Matt Fackrell and Toby Peterson-Stewart. I had a conversation with Toby about four years ago or so, Upon the release of an EP, which made my second was uh, second out of ten in my year-end 2017 best of list, it made a uh, it made a big impact on me, and it's fair to say their new album, which is the catalyst for this conversation, it's called Escapades. It's done the same. This is extraordinary stuff. If you love bass playing, you're into a bit of rhythm and groove. Hardly anybody does it better. I must say. Think. An updated version of what Les Claypool was doing back in the early 90s, and you're, you're close, I suppose. It's certainly going to appeal to fans of Rush, yes, metalized prog like Dream Theater, the thinking man's and woman's music. There you go. So, of course, no conversation with a musician based in Melbourne is complete without us talking about how they're dealing with these fucking lockdowns that are going on down there. Yeah, all politics, but whatever. We talk about that up top, just Matt and I, and then Toby eventually joins us. Enjoy this conversation, seriously. I do fan out a little bit because I am a bass guitarist and I do play Music Man basses as these guys have, I'm not going to say popularised the bongo Music Man bass, but they've certainly given it some prominence in their in their own circles, if you understand what I'm saying. So, yeah, this is one of those conversations where I pretty much just out a little bit and tell these guys that I think what they're doing is extraordinary. All right, enough of that. Here it is, a conversation with Matt Fackrell and Toby Peterson-Stewart from The Omnific. Lockdowns and clear skies, there you go. Yeah, oh, not the way we want it. How are you, um, how are you coping through all of it? Oh, it's like I, th- I feel quite quite grateful that we we're able to actually finish our album um, through through the lockdowns. Even though we did that like six months ago, but it's been it's been a pain being able to like hang out as a band as often as we'd like. But yeah, I've spoken weird. to a lot of well, I've spoken to a lot of musicians from Melbourne, mate, uh, over this period, and it's it's I mean it's it's just got to end. So it's as simple as that because then people at some point in time. Whatever's going on out there, pandemic or not, mate, people have got to get back to being human again. Mm, yeah, totally. Like <laughs> we're missing our gigs, and I'm sure almost every musician you talk to is saying the same thing. I've only done two this year. That's it. So I've mm. gone from playing like up to three times a week, four times a week in really busy weeks, yep. to twice in it to twice in a calendar year. Ridiculous. Yeah, we, we haven't played a single show this year. That's so <laughs> more than I. It's um, nuts, dude. Yeah. I'm hoping it's Toby nuts. hops on in a sec. Um, no, all good. Yeah, should be, should be soon. All good. 
Yeah, I had a chat to Toby a few years back, actually. It was just after you released Kismet or Kismet. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, I had a chat to him. I just listened to it then on the way back from we just had dinner with the kids out and I just put on the chat just to listen to it to see what the hell I, what, what questions I asked him back then. And um, I'm glad I didn't plan any of the same questions again, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like there's like, oh, how'd you start your band kind of questions that we can always get. But yeah, like. We, we, we get some interesting ones, which is awesome. Yeah, I think, I don't, look, this is this is not set up, by the way, on purpose. I just have this here because I play that often, but I play okay. Music Man as well. And um, I um, I was, I remember when I first heard you guys, it was on a Music Man branded channel video. You uh, did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we were probably playing on my couch or something. <laughs> oh, it, was, it blew me away. It, it was, see, I grew up in a time where bass virtuosity was basically frowned upon. Um, you, you actually, yeah, I've got to say, you still don't get gigs if you're a decent bass player because you threaten the other musicians. Yeah, I guess, I guess, like for the both of us, and even even our drummer, I guess as well, we we've never like gone down the session musician path. So I, I say we haven't experienced that kind of kind of world. I guess that's lucky for us. But I think I think in our like metal metal kind of community that we're we're in it's definitely I guess like praised which is really awesome <laughs> yeah I think I think music or fans attention spans and the like I think with this sort of music eventually caught up um when I when I was a kid there was just dream theater and a couple of other bands Primus all the usual suspects there's like three or four bands you know but these days you, you do hear Steve DiGiorgio, those guys, you hear that style of bass playing and what you guys are doing. When you guys have a fresh take on it, I've got to say, I'm not really hearing anybody like you guys, but you're hearing so many bands have that style of very busy bass playing. Here's Toby now, I'll let him in. Sweet. There he is. Mate. How's it going? Yeah, good man. Good man. We We were just talking about you, don't worry. <laughs> all good, all good stuff. Um, but no, I was just saying to Matt before Toby, we actually had a chat about four years ago. Was that four years ago that Kismet was released? The night before it was launched, I remember it. Really? Yeah, wow. I saw a. I would never expect you to remember it. Don't worry. Um, I saw it. I was just explaining. I remember I was do, I was writing for Metal Obsession, which is a Melbourne base. It's not around anymore. But um, I had to put together my year end list. And I saw this video, I saw your Music Man video and I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. And then then quickly worked out you're Australian. I was like, is this new or what's going on here? And it, literally it all just came together the night before I was due to release my, my top 10 of the year. I heard Kismet and I went, I think I'd listened to it four or five times in a row. And um, I said, you made number two that year. And uh, I couldn't stop listening to it when I first heard it. I was just pointing out to Matt before I've got my Music Man bases here. They're totally not planted for on purpose. I've just been playing a lot because I'm back into gigs. We're starting to open up a little bit more again, so they're all sort of there. Um, but, yeah, I guess I've been a fan since I first heard you guys. I love what you guys do. Oh, that's great, man. That's great to hear. Thanks so much. Yeah. So we'll get stuck into things. So Escapades, this is your fourth release but your first album. Am I right in saying? Yeah. 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 And look, um, you know, I mentioned that Kismet 
made my my number two. It was only beaten by Living Colour, and it's only because I lived it, probably because I lived with Living Colour's album Shade a lot longer than what I had Kismet for. But look, since Kismet, you've had my, the Mind's Eye EP, and and I think you've just kept on going in regards to uh, distilling this essence of killer, true, true. That's the key point: drum and bass sound. And as far as I'm concerned. You are the globe's leading proponents of a groove-infused prog. Nobody does it like you guys. And Escapades, I've had it now for a couple of weeks. Chris sent it through. Um, it's it's unbelievable, seriously, guys. I mean, it's I can use superlatives, but there's no point pissing in your pocket. It's just it's a serious and it's a major accomplishment for, for all three of you. So congratulations on this magnificent release first up. So how are you feeling now that it's, I think it's out, it was out in the eighth, wasn't it? So that people are starting to give you feedback, especially like the feedback I've just given you. Yeah, oh, like just looking back on the writing to the recording to the releasing process, like we've had these songs, I guess, like written as full songs for about a year and a half now. So to, to get from like that point to actually having it released, like you sort of almost are like, yeah, like we, we, we know these songs so well, it's kind of like how's everyone going to receive it because you kind of start a little bit second-guessing it just because you know them for so long. But once you get to that release point, like it's been, like I guess, like awakening to like have the response we've had to it. And you're like, yeah, like we're like we're really proud of what we've created, um, and like just me looking back on like us recording it, writing it, doing the drum recording, whatever we did, even filming the music videos. Like it's all kind of like come down to this release day, like on the eighth, and it's it's just been surreal. Yeah, Toby, your thoughts? Yeah, just like what Matt said, it's quite a surreal feeling to. To have it out, remember on release day, I was just like, well, I guess everybody can hear this now because, it's, yeah, it's been sitting under our belts for so long and all that time we put into it. So, yeah, it's just like it was, it was kind of hard to fathom um, to, that, that, that you've heard it and that everyone's heard it. It's just like, yeah, hmm. that's, that sums it up pretty accurately for me. <laughs> yeah, Chris has been doing a good job with it, actually, because I think there's three or four singles off it, if I'm not mistaken. So I've been receiving quite a few emails. Um, but he, he, I finally got the album and the albums, the singles are fine, but having the album, you guys are an album band. That's why I love the fact that you've released an album uh, over the EPs. And I know you had longer EPs, but it's great to get something that's titled as an album. And because what it does, it, I think the greatest compliment that I can give you guys is that you've improved as songwriters without sacrificing what makes you so unique. And that often doesn't happen. Some bands come out with some pretty stupid albums, to be honest with you, when they've shown a lot of promise. God knows how many bands have done that. But did did you change your approach to songwriting this time around compared to how you've done it in the past? Um, I would say yes and no. I think a huge thing in reflection towards writing this album was how much, like, I guess, like, the three of us actually worked on every song after it was an idea which like as we've all got our own like influences and we all bring our own like ideas to the table, just having that like the three of us sitting down and like changing and was like working on the songs has kind of like brought them up a step. Whereas like previous releases was relatively individual. Mm. Um, not, not like fully individual, but like this is really, really um, a collaborative effort towards this album from start to finish for everything that we've done for it. Yeah, yeah. Toby, your thoughts on that one there? So similar? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the exact same. I forget the premise of the question, but I agree with what Matt said. 
Yeah, we're just talking about. I, I listened to our conversation uh, from a few years ago, just before we got onto the call, and I understand that you guys would um, have a lot of things worked out, bring them into this into rehearsal space, and then figure them out there with the three of you whilst you're in there. But um, because because I think the songwriting is so much more refined now. If you don't mind me saying, I was wondering if there was a different way that you guys did things, shared ideas differently. But you've been a band now. How long for? It's been about six years, isn't it? Or longer. About five and a half, I think. Uh, yeah, it would have been about five and a half, yeah. So it's a fair amount of time to be spending, like, that's when you get to that point where you've got that maturity with each other, where you can sort of reject ideas and nobody really, oh, I hope this doesn't happen, but I find that when you've been around people you trust, you can reject other people's ideas and people don't sort of get hurt the same way they do when they don't know each other. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, I think, I think like, letting go of your own ideas comes with maturity as well, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, which like, I think we've all all done approaching this record um, and like being, it's not like we were never like trustworthy or anything, but like you get to like that next step of like mm. all kind of on the same wavelength when you get to like your writing, um, which is like so surreal when, when that's like you get there and I'm assuming we're just going to like keep growing and growing as we keep writing records. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it's it's been really awesome experiences for all of us. Like we all influence each other in our own ways as well. Mm. Just through the five years that we've been together. Yeah, you, you kept the band intact, which is nice. So is it is it Jeremy or Jerome, your drummer? How do I pronounce his first name? Jerome. Jerome, there you go. You never God, you never know these days. Hi, Jerome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh look, he, he's a perfect drummer for you guys. So with regards to the songwriting process with him, I take it you've got a lot of the beats sort of worked out in your head, have you? But it's very percussive with what you're doing. Does he just sort of, you sort of do your thing and he just sort of puts his own beat and groove around it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's it's really different for everything that we do. Like sometimes he'll change the beat, we'll have our own ideas, he'll add his intricacies to it because he's obviously a drummer, that's what he thinks about. Mm. Um, and he's a very, very colourful character as well, as you can probably tell by his haircut. So, like, it does run <laughs> drumming as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Toby, for you, I'll, I'll leave with yourself, but obviously this is a question for both of you. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a gear nut, but I, I liked listening to you describe how you arrived from, I think it was, a, it was an Ibanez that you played beforehand. And now you're playing the bongo basses, of course, or are you still playing the bongo basses is probably the better question. So in terms of the choice of, of basses and also some of the dark glass effects that you use across this album, can you tell me about that? Yeah, so um, on our previous EPs, we hadn't had dingwalls in our hands and um, for the past, oops, for the past, um, maybe it's two years now we've had dingwalls, maybe two and a half years. Mm-hmm. That's some dingwalls and that's opened up some new colours. Uh, definitely for me personally, and yeah, as, as we've been writing and, and choosing what to use for this album, those have been massive influence. Um, and all the, in terms of gear, all the tones are just new DSP dark glass plugin, just mm-hmm. so that we can fine tune it and, you know, I can rather than reamping it and everything, and we can decide later. So we'll, we have like, you know, I can set like the center bass track to have a certain amount of distortion and then the, the sides to have a certain amount of distortion just for one section and then we can change that for the next bit. It could have mm-hmm. slightly more distortion or we could, you know, make, you know, any of the EQs or flick any of the switches just a little bit different because I found 
that was how we get the most out of uh, that aspect of, of the music, like tonally. Um, mm. And so, yeah, we still have bongos and we make those calls when it just feels right. And we got the work, which we used before, but the work makes its way onto a couple of songs in the record, which adds that real woody kind of punch. I mean, maybe you're not really expecting it. Like, yeah, so what is it, sixth of the way through the album or something? But um, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's how I can talk about the gear. Sweet, yeah. Matt. <laughs> yeah, I th- as Toby said before, like with the pedals, um, I'm sorry, with the, not pedals, sorry, the tones that we use, like being able to almost change every parameter possible um, because we're all, all in our own ways, like really intricate with how we like our things to sound. Like we might be like, oh, we need the basses slightly louder in this part, like the lead's a bit too loud here, whatnot. And like that's so accessible to change like these days with how we record it, especially especially with the digital world, um, which mm-hmm. I think we've translated throughout this record on every track. Like we, we went real, real hard on that. And like Adam who mixed it, um, basically just did what we were requiring and nailed it. So <laughs> it helped us out as well. Do, do you have trouble finding an engineer who gets what you guys are doing? So well, we engineered it, but with the mixing, um, we, we, oh, like, we, I think we kind of got lucky with it. Like Adam, Adam kind of did like this test mix. Um, and it was like, yeah, this is definitely on the right path. Um, I think I demoed yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, our demos were so fine-tuned to a certain extent. If you listen to them in the final product, they're like, you know, it's like a, it's 100 times better in terms of the quality. But uh, like the kind of vision was kind of similar, so we just wanted someone to recreate that vision. And so Adam was just able to, yeah, kind of just yeah. hit it. We, we tried someone else out, and then we are going to pretty much just try it until we got someone we liked. Um, but, yeah, we kind of had that vision. And like Matt said, we spent... I think I may have calculated the hours we spent on the phone because he's in America on the phone with Adam to mix this album, to turn up the bass 2dB or do another cut around 4K, you know, 3. Point, no, oh the frequency yeah. 3.63K you can cut that now, like minutes before we have to get it mastered and all that kind of stuff. He's crazy. We've done so many hours with him, but yeah, it's um, we had a vision kind of from when we hit that mixing stage for like someone get it like this, but something that, I can't do because I can't mix. <laughs> yeah. Killer. What's Matt's surname? Me. My oh, legal. What, Matt. Oh, the um. Oh, you, you say it was you that did the mixing? Oh yeah, that's Adam, not not me. Adam, sorry, Adam, sorry, yeah, Adam. Adam, Adam, what was Adam, sir? Bentley. Who's he yeah. worked with? Well, he plays in Arch Echo as the band. If you've heard of them, I haven't. No, I'll check him out though. Yeah. Okay, um, mixing, I think Toby might know that. He's on his own band. Um, yeah, yeah, he's mixed his own band. He's kind of just doing heaps of stuff right now. He's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what he done? Oh, he must know what he's uh, doing uh, if he's mix, mixing you guys, that's all. Yeah, I thought... Uh, I thought you might have been talking about Matt Wallace there for not because I, I thought, sorry, when I said Matt, I thought I, I misheard Adam as Matt. God knows what reason. Long day, I'll put it down to. I know I'm talking to Matt here now, but yeah, I thought you were talking about Matt Wallace, a Faith No More producer, and I think he's done some other stuff. But I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. He's telling you guys, but never mind. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it presents its challenges when you've got someone who doesn't necessarily, um, who's used to doing the standard guitar based drums format, and then you guys turn up metaphorically mm. speaking, and they go, wow, how do I do this? 
Yeah, well, just like how you can um, how you can write our songs in a million different ways, you can also mix it in a million different ways. You can mm. approach it entirely differently. Like we've done that. We've we've gone from having literally stereo basses, which we'll probably do again someday because I I still love that sound of just just a left and right track for like a whole song. That's it, mm. um, which was a lot of kismet, and then going to you know having more like you know eleven tracks going on at once, or most of the time having just one down the center, so we're pinning that low end, and then we have the sides. And again, like there's just so many different concepts about how you can mix what we do, and so that's why we are so fine tuned with it. By, by the time we hit that that stage of mixing, because unless mm. someone's there with us for the whole ride of producing these songs, it's like, yeah, you. It, it can, it's just not your generic, uh, not generic, you know, your um, normal scenario. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, something else I liked about the tunes this time around is they've got this prohibition era vibe going on, you know, this sort of bebop sort of thing happening. I take it that was intentional. I'm trying to think of the name of the song because I listen to it in the car, you see, and 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 you, you never know the name of the bloody songs these days because you just got got it on, you know. Um, I couldn't tell you which song it was, but I noticed it was, it might have been the Labyrinth Chronicles, actually. Um, I noticed it was this bebop sort of shuffle feel yeah. going on, and I hadn't heard you guys do that before. Yeah, so you're trying yeah. different things, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, like, the intro, if we were talking specifically about that song, the, the piano intro to that was part of the theme for the album art, for the records, like a carousel, carnival kind of, Kind of like okay. that was a that was a piano motif, I guess you call it, kind of written four or five years ago. Like that, we kind of was like, okay, well, let's bring this to this album, see where we go with it. And then throughout that track, I think I think what you were mentioning is that like slappy kind of. We had that like I guess like <laughs> upbeat kind of vibe incorporated into that song as well. Um, and that that was like no intention of adding that. It's just kind of just where the the songwriting took us. That's cool. I love it when that happens. Yeah, yeah. The other, the other thing is I'll never forget, I remember back in the day Les Claypool was interviewed about the album Pork Soda and uh, the old Dimeback Sturgeon uh, is a very Eastern, almost Indian-sounding tune and he was saying that whenever he picks up a certain bass that's a six-string fretless, he switches to that mode. Do you guys find that, you know, Toby, you talked about the um, Dingwall basses and the like and the Warwicks and stuff. Do you find that you adopt a certain mode when you pick up certain instruments? Mm, yeah, I I think I do for songwriting. I don't know what it is. It's probably just a visual thing or a feel thing, but even from my old Ibanez to the bongo, those are quite, they're in the same tuning at least. So there's nothing really separating those in terms of that because the Dingwall is actually tuned down, but, yeah, for some reason, even when it comes from yeah the Ibanez to the bongo, I find I write really differently in just those two. Like, um, yeah, you just go into a different mode uh, without realizing it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. This this bass here is a uh, 2006. Um, it's a tri It's a anniversary edition, so it's a 2006 limited edition Stingray, obviously, but. This is a very dark sounding bass. This one. Oh, sorry. Let's see if you see it. Very dark sounding bass. Yeah. And it's just got the single humbucker on it. But it reminds me of a sub. You know, do, 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 do. so I'm playing the B string predominantly on this one here and converting so many of the songs that we play because I play covers into that mm. one. But when I play this one, 
which is a Sterling five, it's a lot brighter. Okay, so I do more runs and that sort of stuff, whereas I don't do as many runs on that black one. It's just, every, every, and I bet if I played the one that was made on the production line after that base, it would have a different feel as, again. So it's, it's a, the individual instruments, you guys get it. Non-musicians and people who don't take their instruments as seriously as what you guys do probably don't understand that all of these instruments have their own souls. And it's just yeah. up to you to tap into it. Utterly, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I'd say the two of us definitely interpret stuff differently as well. Like, oh, I'm trying to think, think where I'm going with it. Like, I mm. find when I, like, pick up, say, like, my C, my bongo tune to drop C, like, I'll enjoy playing a lot of, like, lead lines, like, chords kind of thing, just because it's a bit higher tuned and the strings are thin, it's more like a guitar kind of thing, <laughs> I guess, mm. in a sense. Um and then say say I hop onto the dim well, like you get really like a tight B on the low string, so you get like yeah. heavy, and like that's just I think that's a very obvious example between those two instruments. But I guess that's that's kind of how I feel with it. Yeah, guys, this is about the dumbest question I can think of asking you, but I can't think of any other way to frame it. But yeah. as you well know, most bassists just stick to they play the. I don't play with the pick; I play with my fingers. But I play guitar too, so I play with the pick there. Yeah, but you guys play it so so differently and your approach is you can't be taught the way you guys play how on earth did you come up with the techniques and how did you find each other and 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 i know we addressed it last time toby but i mean you literally are one in a million both of you yet you both grew up in the same well live in the same city and you found each other and you're in this killer band so do you think it's just fate or what is it excuse me bro yeah i was thinking that (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's so good to talk to bass player, honestly. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Uh, cool. It's a lot, a lot more funner than talking to the guitarist, the guitarist who doesn't really give a shit. But, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, while we started this band, as we've probably said a million times elsewhere, but it's it's because we had just such a similar drive to what we wanted to get out of music and it just made sense at the time and we didn't really think about it that much. It was kind of just happening and, when we met and then when we, you know, just spawned the idea of let's start a band, I guess. And then it just develops and develops and we're both along with drums while we're just hardworking into to, to, to doing what we love and and then here we are. So. But with the, with the like, you're literally deploying every technique, I reckon, you, that would fill a textbook up and then some. Um, what, I mean, what was... Yeah, you know where I'm going, don't you? Like, I mean, you're the only two people I know that are doing this. So do you think it... Yeah, no, you go. I think you know where I'm headed, and it's a very it's a very hard question to articulate properly without sounding like a dill. So it's um, no. it's just, it's yeah. like I'm trying to say, how do you do what you do? As a bassist, I'm in awe of it, and I think it's just well, magnificent I mean, that you're doing it, you know? Yeah. The thing that, yeah, I mean, exactly we said, the articulation, as you're trying to explain that, is, is something that you discover the ability and the right to have articulation in the bass as you're in a band like what we are. There's a lot of things that you can do. And the only way to, to do and say the stuff that you can on instruments is to do it in, I guess, you know, just in different ways or in ways that feel comfortable and feel expressive and whatever. Like, so that's why we just do all those techniques. Like, uh, because they're just a way of expressing whether it's, you know, um, just any of them, if it's slap or finger style or a certain kind of vibrato or slides. 
I'm assisting mm. techniques now, but you know, it's, it all comes naturally to us to incorporate that because it's so, um, it's the only way we can express ourselves on the instrument, you know? Um, don't know if you want to add that to that, Matt. Yeah, I think, I think just like reflecting on me learning based even before doing any bands, um, it was always just like, I wanted to come home from school, like just play bass, like not even like think about anything else. That was just like my love at the time. And obviously still is because I'm doing this now. Um, <laughs> so that was cool. just like my interest was just playing and like ne- never really had an end goal in mind. It was just like play, like here's a riff I want to learn, learn it. It incorporates say like, tapping. It's got slides. It's got slap, whatever's like, that was just kind of just how I approached it. Um, I'm sure it's different for everybody in how they how they learn the instrument, but that was that was my, I guess, upbringing for instruments. And then when it came to this band, it was like, all right, let's try and just like write some two bass music. And then like if you, like our reflection on our first release, um, I think we all can say yeah, it's pretty pretty shoddy compared to like Escapades now. But I think that was like like a good good progression for us in being like, all right, this is we've created something now, like let's play it well. Let's try and like perform it live as we've like envisioned it. And then we kind of just like snowball from there to where we are now. Nice. Yeah. Hey, have you had like, you know, Tal Wilkenfeld plays with Jeff Becker. She's done for years now. Have, have you guys been hit up by like a Steve Vai or even a, a local fellow who's world-class like Virgil Donati about doing some partnerships? Nah. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> Surprises me, yeah. There's guys like, what about Tosin Abasi or any of those guys? They haven't heard you and reached out and said, hey, what are you guys oh, up yeah. to? Yeah, Tosin has. There's a, oh, if you're talking about an our scene, if you're talking about like the gods, like, I mean, I'm just saying like the legends of like Virgil, yeah. then that's something else. But yeah, like, like you know, in our scene, like Tosin and uh, the Polyphia dudes, obviously, because Clay's in one of the songs in, um, uh, you know, we have some people that we really like that have definitely reached out and they've gotten to have a chat with, which is, is very nice. Yes. Well, anybody, anybody uh, apart from Tosin that might, that people might know? Um, yeah, the dudes from Polyphia, uh, I'm trying to think, um, Brian Bella from, you know, Brian Bella? It rings a bell. The name rings a bell. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. He plays in the Aristocrats. Uh, okay. With Guthrie Govan. So okay. you've yeah. got to be good at your instrument to be with him. But yeah, he's yeah. he's he's mentioned something a few a couple of times and and all that. And um, so I'm just trying to drop names right now. I don't know, man. Um, one more interesting one. Looks like I'm capped out. I don't know. <laughs> But I remember we, we, Matt, and I, yeah. Yeah, Matt and I were just having a quick chat before and I, I get, um, you know, the studio thing might not have been a, a route that you guys wanted to go down, but it's definitely available to you. And you, you're only, you know, when I say young, you know what I'm saying, you're in your 20s, so you've got your rest of your life to lead and your rest of your lives to do that. So potentially would studio work over in the States, Nashville especially, is that something that you've even thought about or someone sort of said, hey, you go over there and you'll earn a fair amount of money playing on these bullshit country recordings, but at least you're getting paid? Uh, uh, for, for me, like, honestly, like just doing this one band's like my feel, like it's just what I love to do um, and, like, if that's what I just get to do and that's it. Like I'm, I'm 
happy with that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's just, you guys have got such extraordinary talent. It's like, it's, you know, back in the day, there were guys like Ahmed Erdogan, the head of Atlantic Records, that just plucked musicians and went, you. And you had a career for the rest of your life. You know, you, 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 you're riding Blue Bayou with Linda Ronstadt and all this sort of shit happens. You know, I mean, these are all just suburban blokes from England, Australia or America that sort of get these opportunities because it's never the Linda Ronstadt's that write. It's you guys. It's guys like you guys <laughs> that end up doing all of the writing. And and I'm not, I just don't know how it works these days, you know, because when I was a young fella coming through, my dream was um, I had a chat to Bob Daisley, Ozzy Osbourne's bass player. He wrote all that music back in the day, by the way. It's got Ozzy's name on it, but it wasn't Ozzy that wrote it. It was Bob. And um, this was very late 90s or early 2000s. And he said, well, he, this is before the internet really became the internet that it is now, of course. And he said, oh, you've really got to go to London or Los Angeles. I don't know whether that's the case these days. I think you can sort of stay where you are and people can discover you and you can record and send things via cloud and and all the rest of it. But, yeah, I just think with the talent that you guys have got, I just wondered if there'd been, so I thought I'd ask the question, if there'd been approaches to, say, relocate and, say, do some session work and work with some of these, like Nuno Betancourt, for God's sakes, one of the world's greatest rock guitarists is fucking Rihanna's guitarist. It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that kind of stuff's a little bit based if you're talking about pop artist session or Nashville stuff because it's in Nashville. But, mm. I mean, yeah, did we, yeah, the way the world is now, if you're doing prog, you're doing all the work, you're recording everything, you're mm. editing everything for hours, composing and maybe even mixing. Like, yeah, you do everything that, you play bass, but then you also do everything else, managing uh, all that kind of stuff. That's, yeah, it's like being it an indie now. podcaster. Yeah, you've got to do everything yourself from the artwork to the recording to the editing the whole thing. People don't realise that the consume product, do they? Consume content, sorry, I should say, do they? They just think, oh, wow, here's this album. It's like the reality is the three of you have had to do just about everything. Yeah, Even up, yeah. Yep. presentation online as well, like how we actually want to release the record, like who we release yeah. it with, like mm. everything. <laughs> yeah. What, what's with the interviews that you've been doing? Because I know you know you go through Chris and Chris generates interest and stuff. Have, have the interview have they been going well? Like, are people genuinely curious about what you guys do? I would say so for sure. I think like we did a really interesting interview with uh oh, i've forgotten his name now with the bass player magazine bloke over in england and like that got print as well which was like surreal for us we haven't even gotten a copy yet each but we're hoping one day we can get that but but those kind of interviews like coming from like the bass player perspective is usually the interesting ones is that because they're talking about gear and that sort of thing or more about the philosophical approach to playing I think like the way they ask a question, the way you answer a question, like it's really understanding. Like, yeah, I think they because they understand it. Yeah, they they get the music a bit, more. and then you get the people who don't understand it. They don't play bass, or they just, just don't. Some they don't have to play bass to get it, but yeah, some people just don't. There was definitely one bad one that we've had in this cycle. It was just, <laughs> it was so broad and vague, and it was just like he just didn't want to be there. He was, was probably just pumping through on for every band, but. Yeah, this is a great one. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just I love what I've been I've been digging what you guys do for some time, and I, my brain is wired differently. I see. I think you guys should be number one sellers. You know, I mean, that's just because I, I recognise talent. 
is the bottom line. But I know that marketing kicks in and it's not about talent. It's just about how good your marketing team is half the time and who you align yourself with. It's just such a strange old world. We've, we've always lived in a strange old world, but it's a strange old world with music where <laughs> it's where, where it's with, with the vocal side of things. It's about Australian Idol or American Idol or whatever country it's in Idol. And, um, <laughs> and it's just, yeah, you talk about these aspirational performers like you guys. And uh, I know it happens a lot with guitar still, but I, I like to think that there's all these young men and women out there, the young, you know, young people I'm talking about, people that are still at school, like we both, three of us were at one time where I first heard Les Claypool and I thought, what the hell is that? <laughs> and um, said, I want to try to mimic that. And, of course, I couldn't, but um, didn't stop me from trying. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a funny old world that way. And, uh, and you guys being so unique and, and individual with what, what you do, I was, uh, curious as to what the reception had been like, but I'm glad it sounds like it's going well and people are, um, giving you some respect and under, and, and at least trying to work in and ask you questions that will help them get to the bottom of things on behalf of either the reader or the listener. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I have a feeling we have another interview right now. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> well, I could talk the ears off uh, an elephant. Thanks so much, lads. Yeah, yeah, um, man. Yeah, no, thanks, man. I wish we could keep going. Well, <laughs> I hope the next one's good. Good luck. You can tell I'm a fan, of course. Um, yeah, Escapades, killer album. Uh, just would love to see you guys up here, Queensland, Brisbane, Gold Coast. Love to see you guys perform. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in Brisbane for Uncaged Festival. Yeah. That's if we can, there's bloody borders open up. That's the yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, if we're around, just, just let us know and we'll, we'll catch up or something. That'd be good to have a beer. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a beer. Yeah, I'll definitely be at one of your shows, though. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. No worries. Enjoy. Cheers. Catch ya. Cheers. Bye. So there you have it. A chat with the lads from The Omnific, specifically Matt Fackrell and Toby Peterson-Stewart. Do check out that album, Escapades. As I said, um up top and many times throughout the conversation there if you love your bass guitar if you're into that sort of thing that's all there is with this album it's two basses some effects here and there the occasional keyboard and some good old-fashioned percussion i enjoy it it's a bit left of center probably for the music fan and not the casual probably for the full-on music fan and not the casual music fan but i think that's just the way the lads want it My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. If you enjoyed that chat, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. So I encourage you to like, subscribe, share and leave a nice comment. That's always cool. Look, you can always hit me up on socials via uh, Instagram or Facebook via Messenger if you want to have a chat about anything too. I'm pretty approachable about things. No dickheads reach out and talk to me. Everybody that I've spoken to, and this is like waving a red rag to a bull right now, I appreciate that, but honestly, everybody that I've spoken to that's messaged me from all over the world, South America, North America, Europe, Asia, and beyond has been very cool. Hope it stays that way. Hope it does stay that way. But anyway, uh, what else have I got to say? Nothing. Until the next one, stay safe, and uh, that's it. See ya.